In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. On May 7, 1945, Nazi Germany surrendered unconditionally to the Allied forces, effectively ending the Second World War in Europe. With their leader dead by his own hand, and Italy having defected to the other side, theirs was a lost cause. A brutal and bloody conflict that spanned the entire globe for five years was coming to its conclusion. Prime Minister Winston Churchill learned of Germany's surrender at 7 a.m. that morning. He wanted to announce it as soon as possible. Communist leader Joseph Stalin wanted Churchill to hold off until May 9th, two days later. But Churchill growled that he would not withhold the good news from the people. And when the announcement was made that evening, it spread like wildfire across the globe. I thought about having lots of pictures of this. I was looking up lots of pictures, but I didn't want to fumble with any more technology than I have to this morning. But go look it up later. It's crazy. All the celebration going on in the streets, this became known as VE Day or Victory in Europe Day. Tens of thousands of people flooded the streets of all major cities in Britain, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, France, South Africa, Canada, and of course the United States. The celebration carried on for two days, many of the people braving rainstorms and harsh elements, and yet not everyone was able to celebrate, right? Many of those soldiers, especially the ones who were on the front lines, were too shaken by the horrors of war to join in the festivities. And some thought it was strange or inappropriate to celebrate, given that the Pacific Theater had yet to be won and victory still hung in the balance. Australia, New Zealand, all those guys that were fighting over there, they still had their hands full with Japan, and so they joined in the festivities as they were able. But we know what happened four months later. Two A-bombs were dropped on Japan, and regardless of where we land on the morality of that tactic, that's complicated, right? But here's what it did. It decisively ended the bloodiest war in human history up to that point. An unconditional surrender followed on August 14th, and the whole thing was over. August 15th became known as VJ Day, and the celebration was just as exuberant, if not even more. I try to think of what it was like to live during those four months between VE Day and VJ Day. You know, there was this joyful exuberance, there was this outbreak of rejoicing, but it was tempered a little bit. It was subdued by the reality that the world still faced. It must have been a strange time. Steve, you lived through it, didn't you? I'm just kidding. It must be like a time that we find ourselves in as Christians. In our Old Testament reading that we heard from Isaiah, the prophet unleashes some good news. Some news that couldn't be held back. News that people in the throes of warfare needed to hear. He is announcing 700 years in advance the rescue and restoration of God's people in exile as if it were a present reality. As if it had already occurred. When we see this type of language in Scripture, it's called prophetic perfect. 
This is what happens. Whenever God says something that will occur in the future as if it has already taken place. Though his people would go into exile for 70 years and though Jerusalem would be forsaken by God due to their unending rebellion and their hardness of heart, that would not be the final chapter in their story. God would return. He would bring salvation. He would build up the ruins of their devastated city and He would restore them to righteousness and peace. In these verses that we heard from Isaiah 52, Isaiah speaks as if this has already taken place. He uses the image of a watchman uh, or of several watchmen standing amid the ruins of a forsaken city. And off in the distance, they see a runner. They see one who has come to bring the message of salvation. Now the feet of a runner, especially in those days, would have been rather unsightly. But any feet that bring this kind of news are beautiful. This runner, this messenger comes to say from the mountaintops, your God reigns. And through this simple announcement, he publishes peace and salvation. He gives the people good news of great joy. The reign of God means victory. It means that though the city had been forsaken, their God has returned, bringing his kingdom with him. The watchmen in the city get wind of the news and they join their voices with the messenger in a song of joy. And pretty soon, the waste places of the ruined city begin to sing because the Lord has, ac- he has accomplished redemption. He has returned to bring salvation with him. For Israel, this announcement was like their VE day. It was cause for real celebration. The reign of God meant the certainty of victory. Only it would come in stages. He would raise up Cyrus to secure victory over the Babylonians. He would then use that Persian king to decree that they were free to go home. They would rebuild the temple. That's what we see in the book of Ezra. They would rebuild the walls. That's what we see in the book of Nehemiah. And the people would come back together and they would regain their national identity. But here's the thing. They were still waiting for the A-bomb to drop. They still had those proverbial four months to go, which in their time meant several hundred years. They were still awaiting the announcement of VJ Day, when they could, with unbridled jubilation, celebrate the fullness of God's triumph over their enemies. Until one day, in the city of David, the town of Bethlehem, God lowered the boom. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The angels sang their song of victory, announcing to all those who waited with eager anticipation the coming of God to Zion. You know, we'll hear next week the song of Simeon. You know, baby Jesus is brought to the temple and there's Simeon there. And he sings this song because he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for the A-bomb to drop. And there it is. What God says in this Old Testament passage is this is a prophetic, perfect moment. 
victory was assured. Even though there was still going to be 30 some odd years before that baby would be a man and before he would climb the hill and he would plant his flag in the ground, it was going to be a while yet until he would bear the sins of the world in his body and be nailed to the cross to reconcile the world to God, to rise again from the tomb and triumph over all their enemies, death and the devil. And yet the angels still sang, peace. And the heavenly hosts celebrated because it was already going to happen and nothing could stop it. Now the trouble is, we know the story of Israel, right? For many in Israel, what should have been the A-bomb of the incarnation of the Son of God in human flesh came in such an unexpected and quiet way. And so they rejected it. How could the son of a carpenter be the Messiah? How could one born in such meager circumstances, such a lowly and ordinary looking man, be the promised Christ who would be the manifestation of God's reign and rule in the world? The Pharisees were offended that this Jesus claimed lordship over the Sabbath, among many other things. The Sadducees were offended by his his, his prediction of the destruction of the temple. The zealots were offended by, uh, offended by this notion that this one who claims to be Christ didn't come in to jettison the Roman occupation, but brought all this talk of forgiving their sins and gathering the sheep who were not of the fold of Israel. It didn't sound much like victory to many. But God's ways are not our ways. And he uses the foolish things of the world to shame the would-be wise. For we who are held captive by human sin, by death and the devil, what appears to be defeat, God uses to bring about the greatest victory. The manger is a precursor to the cross where God would use the lowly, dirty, and shameful things to confound the entire world. The humility of the manger, the scourge of the cross, both places of God's ultimate triumph through His Son, our Savior. By coming to earth in Bethlehem, God established His beachhead from which he was going to embark on his unstoppable, victorious warpath to rescue us from all of our enemies, culminating in his death and resurrection. Unfortunately, just as in the days of Jesus, many in our world today do not see the manger nor the cross as the place of God's victory. The beat goes on today with the, the multitudes who have descended from ethnic Israel. They are still awaiting that authoritative declaration that victory has been assured because they refuse to believe that it has come in the person and work of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. In Romans 10, St. Paul talks about this phenomenon. He quotes from our Old Testament reading. And it's why he insists that the gospel, this announcement that your God reigns in and through Jesus Christ, this has to be preached. Because how will they know without hearing? 
How will they know unless someone is sent? And how will they hear unless this one sent preaches? And this is not only true of ethnic Israel, this is true of our world. The time for celebrating in the streets has come, but they would rather stay indoors. But you know the truth. The runner has come. We were talking about this passage the other day uh, at Table Talk with our men's group. And uh, we brought this up and said, you know, the, what we're going to hear on Christmas Day is how beautiful are the feet of the one who brings the good news. And all the gentlemen around the table took a minute and they looked down at my feet. And uh, I just thought it was funny. Um, that's not the point of this passage, right? The runner has come. The watchmen have taken up the song of triumph. The waste places of the creation that has been ruined by the curse of sin has begun to cry out because the glad announcement has gone out. Peace and salvation has been published. And you and I join in the chorus of victory with all the saints and all the angels and the whole company of heaven. Jesus coming to earth means that God has come to Zion. The king is here and with him his kingdom. Christmas is our VE day. The first shoe is dropped. The enemy has been defeated. It's why those first few years of his life, Satan's worked overtime to try to get to him. Using Herod to murder all those children. But it wasn't going to happen. The coming of Jesus meant that victory was already assured. This is a prophetic, perfect deal. Nothing was going to stop him from going to the cross to decisively defeat all of your enemies. Nothing was going to stop him from coming and finding you amid the waste places of your own sins as you were held captive in the devil's clutches. Nothing was going to stop him from prying you out of the grip of that ancient serpent and setting your feet upon the rock. The baby is the beachhead. Sure, there's plenty more to the story, but victory is assured. And you see, that's the key difference from the time that we're living in and those four months in between VE Day and VJ Day. Because for those people who celebrated for those two days in the streets, they tasted that sweetness of victory, but it was tempered by the hard reality that the war was not over. The future still hung in the balance. But you have something much more certain. Jesus' resurrection guarantees it. He will come again to judge both the living and the dead. And for so many who reject his reign and rule, it will be a day of terror. It's what Psalm 2 is all about this morning that we heard. But for you, you have nothing to fear. Because it will be the day on which God finally lowers the boom. And you and me... And all the faithful will know the fullness of victory. So the invitation for you during this Christmas time is to celebrate 
in the streets. Sing amid the wastes. Listen to the words of the messenger. Heed the word of the gospel, which is truly good news. News which the enemy still tries to subdue and undermine. But he cannot. Because good news gets out. And though you may struggle during this proverbial four months between VE Day and VJ Day, as you look around, as you wrestle with the reality of your own sinfulness, as you wrestle with the reality of the brokenness of the world, here's the thing, you still have cause to celebrate as if the final shoe has dropped because in God's mind, it has. Therefore, you and I, And heaven and nature join in the chorus of victory. The baby is in the manger. Our God reigns. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.